Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the host of the Too Much Game podcast, Young Dolomite. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Man, listen, so before we get into anything, let me tell you, I I stumbled upon your podcast from, we, we're in a common podcast group, and um, I decided one day to listen to the podcast, and man, let me tell you, it's an excellent, excellent podcast. I appreciate that. My question, man, how the hell do you record by yourself, though, for an hour? Uh, it took a lot of practice, honestly. Like, I, I started out recording. I probably did about 45 episodes with my producer. And pretty much what I would tell him is, um, you know, just talk less and less. You know, like, not telling them to shut up or nothing. But I was like, eventually, I want to be able to transition into doing it on my own. So just help me to transition into doing it without nobody else. So I just would practice getting more and more with less and less of another person talking to the point where I could just do it alone. How long did it take you? Um, Like I said, probably like 40 episodes. So about damn near a year. Because <laughs> the thing was, what, what really pushed me like all the way into doing it alone was the quarantine. Oh. You know, because uh, my producer, he thought that he had the COVID. So mm-hmm. he did a two-week quarantine, and he like, hey, y'all can't come to the studio. Nobody could come in. But I just feel like consistency is what's going to help my shit grow. So I was like, look, dog, I'm going to record anyway. You know, like, I'm I'm just going to go home and I'm going to do it on some headphones because when I first started doing it from home, I didn't have no equipment. But wow. I didn't want to miss no show, so I did it on a pair of earbuds. I probably did about 10 or 15 episodes <laughs> on a pair of earbuds I bought in a truck stop. Damn. Was you, was you uh, knowing that you didn't have that producer, what was that first episode like? Uh, it was difficult, honestly. Like, I, I was able to do it. It didn't go as bad as I thought it was. But it was it, it was an experience, put it like, because I wasn't expecting to have to do it like that. But at the same time, I didn't want to miss the episode. So I just jumped out the window on it. Let's go into this. Let's, let's talk about your podcast. It's called Too Much Game Podcast. Why, why is that the title of it? Um, it was kind of like a play on something that me and my homeboy was talking about because I got another show, the Cat vs. Dog podcast. So um, we was doing like test runs, but we was doing them on Instagram and Facebook Live. So like a lot of what I was saying on that show was like a lot of relationship shit that a lot of dudes wouldn't really say out loud in front of females. So he was like, man, you giving up too much game. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny because I'm finna do another show. And I was thinking of a name, and I think that might be it. Because that, and it's a line in the E40 song, uh, the song called One More Again. And he was saying, you know, I know that they say that I'll be giving up too much game. And that was really the aim of what my show was gonna be. Like I was like, I'm gonna give all the game that I have to my listeners. Like, you know, I give advice to a lot of people, like whether it be younger family members, younger dudes around my neighborhood. A lot of people ask me for relationship advice because I've been married 
going on 13 years. Wow. So it's like, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to give all the game that I got. And I feel like I got a lot. So I was like, you know, too much game. It works. <laughs> I think one of the things people can gather talking and listening to you speak is you from California with the accent, the laid back. What, what is that? Is them laid back vibes you got? Is that strictly from California? Um, I think so. <laughs> like, I, it's like my both my parents is kind of laid back people, and most people who I'm surrounded by are like laid back. Like I'm, I think I'm more laid back than most of the people who I deal with. But you know, like it, it, it California just slow. Like you know, I travel. I've been all over the country and other other places. It's like, you know, you go to New Orleans, they got the bounce. You know, you go to New York, they got that whole. DMX thing, you know, certain parts they got the crunk shit. LA, we we lay back. Like we 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 move fast, but we slow though. And me, yeah. I'm like I, I I was just telling the homie today, I'm a weed baby. My mom smoked weed <laughs> when she was pregnant with me. So like I'm just high all day. <laughs> Let's talk about the early years for you. How what was it like growing up in California? Um, you know, it was like my experience, I'm not going to say it was unique because, you know, a lot of people grew up like me, like poor. But at the same time, like me personally, I moved around a lot. Like I was born in Compton, 1982, you know, like height of the crack era, you know, height of gang banging. So shit, I think when I was in maybe kindergarten, my mom moved me out of Compton to Pomona, which is another city that had a hell of a gang problem. Like we moved from Compton to Pomona. And the thing is my neighborhood in Compton, you know, I'm from Nutty Block. The same set as, you know, Geechee Gotti, if you familiar with battle rap. Like we kind of like the the big bad wolf of Compton. I heard a Nutty Block though, cause somebody else was from there. Uh, BG Knockout, who did a song. That's with exactly who it Real is. Real Compton City G's. Yeah, That's like, who it is. Cause yeah. I always, hear, I've heard him on that flag. That's yeah, that's that's my big homie. Okay. Yeah, like uh, you know, in, in Compton, we we them niggas. You know, I don't know. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's okay, yeah, but like you know, in, in Compton, like we 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 the big dogs around that motherfucker. So, like growing up in Compton, it was dangerous. But my mom really moved me out because she didn't want me to get involved in that lifestyle. It wasn't so much of oh, it's dangerous and. They didn't really shoot where I'm from because a lot of people didn't want to come over there because they know it was going to be consequences. So when we left Compton, we moved to Pomona and it was like we moved into what people fear. We moved to Pomona and they was literally shooting every night. Mm. Like people was getting shot in front of my house. Like I remember when I was little and a dude got shot in the face and he came to my front doorstep and was like calling my mom, oh God, no, I want one, I got shot. And my mom, like, my kids in here, she closed the door on them. She <laughs> called 911, but she was like, you can't come in my house bleeding all over the place. Like, his face was hanging off. He got shot in the face. <laughs> but like, my mom was like, we gotta move. We moved right back to Compton. And it was a trip because we from a Crip neighborhood, we moved into a blood neighborhood. And what was funny about that is we moved into a blood neighborhood and as a kid, I always wore blue. My mom was a crib. So, of course, I'm coming to school, blue shirt on. I'm getting in fights every day. 
And I'm wondering why. Like, damn, why are these niggas tripping? Like, <laughs> damn. But they was bloods. You know, and even, mind you, I'm in like second grade. I'm like eight years old. And we already got it implanted in our minds that, oh, why you got blue on? Oh, you must be a crip. And we little kids, like gangbanging start early, dog. So that is so, so even, even as kids, like, you still have to dress accordingly, like color-wise. Yeah, like we was on go. And the thing is, like, in the, the 80s and 90s, it was like that. Like, now as older people, like, if, if you a follower of Nipsey Hussle, like, you see, he would wear red in videos and all that because it kind of got, um, it kind of um, evolved later on. Like, cause now in LA gangbanging, everybody know who everybody is. We got social media pages. So we know who's from where. So no matter what you got on, we know who you are. We know if you're not supposed to be over here. We know, okay, no matter what you got on, you ain't supposed to be over here, homie. Who is you? Why you over here? So it don't even matter what you wear. But in the 90s, it was all about why you got them blue shoestrings, why you got that sports team on your hat. Why you got that on? So I was getting pressed just for wearing blue as a little kid. And I was getting in fights every day. And you said you were like eight or nine? Yeah, I was in second grade. And then from there, we moved to the Inland Empire where I live now. But I was always back and forth to Compton. So, like, you know, I was raised kind of both. Because I've been in the Inland Empire a long time, but I was always in Compton. Like, to this day, it's still people who think I never left. <laughs> how, far is, um, how far is Compton from Pomona? Uh, probably like 30 miles. It's not super far. Mm-hmm. Pomona is still in L.A. County. So, okay. you know, it, it ain't far. But, like, Pomona is turned up. Like, Pomona's one of those cities, like, you know, everybody who's from a, a metropolis know, like, there's a small town somewhere not far away that's still turned up. Like how Chicago people know about Gary, Indiana. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, every big city got a small city not far away that's like, oh, yeah, you know, them niggas crazy too. Because, yeah. like, that's how Compton is. Like, a lot of people, when you hear Compton, like, Compton is not a metropolis. We don't have a sports team. We don't have a convention center. We don't have a large airport. Compton is a town like Compton. You know, we got a couple of high schools. We a small city. I think the the population of Compton is probably like one hundred and ten thousand. It's not a large city, but we're famous because rappers, entertainers and gangbanging. You you mentioned one of the things that really struck me when I listened to your podcast. it, It was the solo one that you did by yourself. Well, a lot of them are solo, but I can't remember what episode, but it was a really good episode. You talked about your mom was the one who taught you a lot of game. Yeah. Like, how how did, like, how was that coming up? Because, you know, most times, well, some will, unfortunately, a lot of times the dad is not around, but you mentioned your mom was actually in a game and she taught you the game. So that's got to provide a different perspective for you, correct? Yeah, because, like, you know, my mom had me young. Like, I think my mom was, like, 18 when I was born. My dad was 20. Like, my dad was always in my life, meaning I knew him, but I didn't live with him. 
I always lived with my mom. So like my mom in, you know, 18 years old, raising a child, like when, when your kid is six, you only 24, meaning you still a young person. You know, when your kid is 12, you only 30, which is still a relatively young person. So a lot of where my mom was mentally with me growing up, she was still a very young woman. So the things that she valued, the things that she thought was cool was still what young people valued and thought was cool. So like a lot of what she would teach me would be the shit that was going on in her life, which was being a gang member. She moved us out of Compton because she didn't want that for us. But at the same time, most of my family was still there. So when it was summer vacation, I'm back in Compton with the homies. When it's a weekend, I'm back in Compton with the homies. You know, when it's my dad's time to have me, I'm in Compton with the homies. You know, my dad was kind of a, I wouldn't call him an absentee father, but he was like a hands-off type of dad. Like, he would drop me off to kick it with my homeboys. And, of course, we the set. So that's who I kicked it with. That's who I gravitated towards. Like, even a lot of the time that I spent living in the Inland Empire, I never really attached myself to these niggas because it's like, this ain't home. Even though I live here, home is Compton. Home is where all my cousins live, where my dad, my grandparents, and all of them live at. So even though I'm here, nigga, I'm just here by technicality. Who I am (laughs) is out there. You know, so like with my mom, my mom born and raised in the set, gang bang for the set, put in work and did all that. So like that was who I, you know, gravitated toward. Like, I'm, you know, mom's is, is on this. And even as I got older, like because it ain't like my mom raised me to be a gang member. You know, that's not what it was. It was my mom raised me to be a functioning member of society. But when she realized that I was going that way, it was like, well, the least I could do is if you're going to do it, show you how to do it right. Mm-hmm. So that's what a lot of that was. Like, if you're going to have a gun, why would you show people to let them know how to approach you? You better off acting like you don't got nothing. So if they approach you, they're going to approach you like you ain't got nothing. So you got the element of surprise. Like, that was always my mom's thing. Like, if I'm going to show you something, I'm going to show you the right way to do it. Even though you're not going to do right, I'm going to show you how to do the wrong thing the right way. How old were you when you would say like, okay, you you kind of pretty, you pretty active now with gang, you know, in the game? Probably like, maybe like 13, 14. You know, and the thing was like, I wasn't like a, a super gang banger. Mm-hmm. You know, like I tell people all the time, like don't, don't get it twisted. Like, I wasn't like this super turned up, out of my mind, tattoos on my face, super gangbanger. I've always been an intelligent dude. But the thing is, when you live in that environment, it's kind of like a, a situation where you can't really escape it. There's people who's like, oh, no, you know, I don't gangbang and all that. But the crowd that I ran with, it was like, come on, cuz, you ain't finna be no bitch-ass nigga and, you know, play the square card. So it was like, you know what, yeah, fuck that, because I kick it with the wolves. I don't want to be with the fucking sheep, because we look at them as as busters. So I'd rather kick it with the niggas that I know is, is with the bullshit. So I was always over there, even though I still had the 
mental capacity to be like, I know this shit ain't even right. I shouldn't be doing this shit, but these are niggas who I'm cool with, so I'm going to get down like I got to get down. At that, let me ask you, at that age, because you were young, still impressive, you said like 13, at that time, were you thinking about, man, because you just said you really, it wasn't something you really necessarily wanted to do, but did you ever sit back and think like, damn, like, what are my other options? Are there some other options that you thought about, but it just wasn't available to you? Kind of, you know, because like the thing is, you know, and this is something as far as like the way, the way that I carry myself to this day and the reason that I speak the way that I speak on my show. Like young kids follow what they think is cool. Like even as an adult, like say you went to go speak at a junior high school or high school, you can literally pull up in a fucking Rolls Royce Phantom. But if you got Crocs on, some <laughs> slacks and like a fucking goofy shirt, nobody going to listen to you. Like, kids do what they think is cool. Kids follow what they think is cool. So at that age group, that's what I thought was cool. Even though I knew it was illogical, dangerous, and all of that shit, it was cool. So I really wanted to do it because that's what I felt like was cool more than anything, even though I knew it was some bullshit. But when you young, that's what drives you. What drives you is what's cool. Even though, like, my dad was a school bus driver. Like, my dad did well in life. My dad drove a Mercedes. Like, my dad did real good in life. But at the same time, I didn't want to be like my dad because I kind of looked at my dad as a dork at that time. Mm. Like, yeah, you got a nice car and shit, but you still a nerd. Like, I don't want to be a nerd when I grow up. I want to be cool like the niggas who sell dope because they don't go to work every day. They kicking it every day. Every time I look, them niggas hanging out. They got hoes with them. They they drinking. They wearing jewelry. I like the cars they drive. I want to I wanna live like that. At that age, did you have any fear? Um, kind of, but not really. Like, because at as a youngster, a lot of times, like, you don't even realize what's on the line. Like, even... The fear of death is like, okay, if, if I die, I'll just be dead. Like, it ain't like when you were adult and you think like, man, my mom gonna be sad. My kids, my wife, my brothers, my sisters. Like, as a kid, you kind of just look at it like, if I die, I'm just gonna be gone. Like, you don't think about all the people that's gonna be hurt if something happened to you. You only thinking about what's going on in your personal mind. So fear factors in, but it's kind of like a, you know, I cross that bridge when I get to it. Did you lose any friends while doing, you know, being out yeah. there? Yeah, a lot. Like, shit. My cousin, like one of my cousins, you know, he passed away with my gun in his hand. Like, I let him borrow my gun to go handle something and he didn't come back. You know, like I, I was just talking with uh, Big Smash from the Better House podcast about that. Like, a lot of these young dudes who try to get into the gang life and Oh, gang, gang, this and showing guns online. It's like, dude, like any nigga older than like 20 who's really lived it is not going to glorify. That goes for rappers. That goes for any of that. Like if you really dealt with the consequences of what this shit bring you, you're not going to make it sound like it's cool because it's not like having like when when, you know, on the West Coast, like you hear dudes like on the dead homies. A lot of niggas don't really got dead homies. 
Like you, you don't have a dude who you knew personally who got killed. You don't have a dude who you was hanging with every day and he got killed. If that was the case, a lot of these dudes wouldn't even be gangbanging no more. Like a lot of these dudes wouldn't still be doing this shit. You know, and I'm not speaking for the niggas who really gangbang because I, I, I grew up with niggas who 50 something years old and they still gangbanging. We done lost people. A lot of homies done went to prison. Like I got homeboys who got locked up at 16 and they doing 95 years. Like they own year 20 and they got 75 years to go. Like four of my, and they my little homies, like they younger than me. Like they dudes who like used to come and knock on my door to play PlayStation at my house. And they got 75 years to go and they done did 20 of them already. Like, but it's like, you wouldn't be talking this gang gang shit thinking it's funny if you really knew about that. Like, you know, like Geechee Gotti, like a lot of what he raps about, like sometimes will bring a tear to my eye because it be real. He be talking about people that I know exactly who he talking about in the song. Like phone calls he'd get from niggas like, you know, the homie doing 95 years. And I'm like, yeah, that's Woody. I know exactly who he talking about. He might not say his name in the song, but I know exactly who he's talking about. Like, you know, our parents did this shit. Our grandparents did this shit. A lot of the reason that we are so willing to go into this lifestyle and shoot at people because of something that happened to a dude that live in our neighborhood is because this the same dude I roll skateboards with. This the same dude who we learned how to read together. This the same dude we, we was dancing for our parents at parties together. Like our parents went to elementary school together. Our grandparents bought these houses in these neighborhoods together. We three or four generations together in this neighborhood. Our like, you know, we call our parents uncle and auntie. This, this nigga mama used to whoop my ass for being bad. Like <laughs> we that close. So why would I not be willing to kill and die for this dude? But then you look at the newer dudes and these niggas don't even live in the neighborhood. They claiming like, you from 67 miles away. Why are you even claiming this game? <laughs> you know, so like that's the shit like I be trying to talk down on on my show. Like a lot of you dudes, like y'all don't know nothing about this life. Like, you know, uh, 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 like I was telling Smash earlier, dude, like a lot of these niggas who be in and out of jail, a lot of the dudes who glorify jail, dog, the reason you'll go do five years get out on the street and come right back to jail because you got a boyfriend in there, dog. Mm. Like, that's that's why you don't mind coming back to jail because if you really been locked up for a long time, you know, it ain't nothing in there but butts and nuts. When you come <laughs> up out that visitor room, you got to bend over and bust it open so somebody can look and see if you ain't got no paraphernalia, dog. Like, that's that's emasculating. That's not nothing that's that's to be glorified. That's not nothing cool. If you glorify jail, it's probably because you ain't never been there. If you really been to prison, you don't want to go back. Yeah, but the the um the the losses that you suffer, like coming up, like that's got to take a toll on you emotionally. Like, did you still carry that with you today? Yeah, like you know, in in the podcast community, you know, I, I do a lot of features. You know, you see me on a lot of people's different Instagram lives, and something that I've been known for is. You know, they all consider me to be super funny, but I never laugh or smile. <laughs> you know, they always like, oh, man, you say the funniest shit with a straight face. 
Because, <laughs> like, a lot of shit don't be funny to me. Mm. Like, I, I, I tell a lot of jokes and don't get me wrong. It's a joke when I tell it. Like, it's not like I'm accidentally funny. Yeah, I'm being funny on purpose. It's just not funny to me. Like, a lot of stuff don't make me laugh or smile. Like, it's a lot of stuff that I've become desensitized to. Good and bad. Like, I, I kind of was taught to control my emotions in a lot of situations. Like, a lot of, you know, the situation that I was in earlier when, you know, when you were seeing me in different people's Instagram lives was, like, cooler heads got to prevail. You dudes is letting y'all emotions get ahead of y'all. And I'm trying to be, you know, emotionally even killed to help y'all to not let the situation get bigger than it is. Because as grown men a lot of times we're taught not to be vulnerable and that's not a good thing. But at the same time, it's something that has helped me throughout life, the ability to control my emotions. So, you know, like a lot of what happened to me as far as like losing close friends, losing family members has kind of just made me like real even keel on everything. You know, I don't know if you ever heard the saying like, uh, black men who grow up in the inner cities, they they could be diagnosed with PTSD. What would you say to that? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I feel like 99% of people who I grew up around have that shit bad. Like to this day, if we kicking it and it's a card on my street that we don't recognize, we own them. Like, every single time. Who car is that? You know that nigga? I don't know that nigga. Who was that nigga? We hide behind shit. We looking for guns. Like, it's like... And it could be somebody grandma. It could be somebody we know that bought a new car. But we just don't play that unfamiliar car shit. Do you ever think about what life would have been like if you didn't grow up around that environment? Um, yeah, sometimes. Like... I got cousins that was raised in the suburbs and we tell them all the time, like, it's not cool to be like us, you know, like, cause a lot of our cousins that's raised in the suburbs be wanting to kind of like take the clout from us, the street cousins, like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to hang out with y'all. I want to be hard like y'all. And it's like, dude, if you knew what it took to be like this, you wouldn't want to be like this. You'd rather be suburban, my nigga, <laughs> you know, like with, with my kids, like, I'm glad my kids live in a two-story house with their own bedrooms and, you know, the refrigerator always full and they spoiled. And if they want to go to the mall, they can go and they got their own bicycles and they can ride bikes out in the front. And Like, they don't have a care in the world. Like, when I was little, we ate hot dogs for dinner sometimes. Like, we would eat the same meal over and over and over again. Like, when we, like I said, when I moved to Pomona, and we moved back to Compton, we couldn't even play in the front yard. Damn. Like, we always had to play in the backyard because you never know. Like, we would get our ass whooped if we ventured into the front yard. Like, why'd y'all go outside the gate? Because niggas was getting shot. So it's like, my kids don't know nothing about that. My kids know they daddy crazy, but <laughs> they don't know, like, Oh, niggas might start shooting. Like, I remember one time I took my son to my dad's house because my dad still live in Compton. And the police hopped out on some bitches that was patrolling my neighborhood, which a lot of times, you know, when, when you in, in gang culture, 
That's what gangs will do. They'll send the women to drive around neighborhoods to see if niggas is outside and come back and let them know, like, yeah, them niggas over there on such and such a street. So if you want to go shoot, we saw them niggas over there because the thing is, when you hanging out, you're not going to suspect two or three females driving past to be on nothing. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's who they using to scout your hood to see who hanging out. So if they want to come shoot, they like, yeah, they already told us y'all was hanging out. So I guess the police pulled out on them females because somebody probably dialed 911 and they had like guns drawn and all that. My son like, look, daddy, it's like Grand Theft Auto. Look at all the cops. I'm like, dude, going to the house, dude. Because, I, you know, I don't want my son to be even exposed to that shit. Yeah. How does how does it like now that you because you mentioned your family, you mentioned your son and your kids growing up in an environment totally opposite from what you grew up in. So how does it make you feel as a father? Happy, honestly, like, you know, they they don't know nothing like what I know. Like, I, I want them to understand that that element exists. You know, because like I was telling my wife, like, you know, I don't want my kids to be complete mushrooms. Like, I don't want them to be little marshmallows. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm glad that they'll grow up suburban. It ain't nothing wrong with that. Like, I hate that stigma in the black community. Like, if you was raised, oh, you got both parents, you spoiled. Oh, you were square. Oh, you ain't never been through nothing. Like, dude, at the end of the day, you are who you are. Like, the... If, if if you was raised hood, it's like, dude, like, oh, my bad. My parents loved me enough to stay together and take care of what they had to take care of in order for me to live this way. Like, how are you going to be mad at me because my parents did what they were supposed to do? You know, like in the black community, it's like we glorify dumb shit. Like we glorify struggle. We glorify that shit. Like rappers look, oh, I was dirt poor. Didn't nobody love me. I was all fucked up. Like, you know how fucking bad I would feel if my son became a rapper and tried to make it seem like he lived some fucked up life and that's not the damn case? Like, I work way too fucking hard for you to be talking about you came from the damn bottom. No, you didn't, nigga. (laughs) You didn't come from no fucking bottom. You you came from living upstairs in the room upstairs, nigga. You didn't come from no damn bottom, nigga. I work way too hard for you to be talking that shit. You mentioned you you've mentioned several times your wife, your kids, and, and your upbringing. How has family changed you as a man? Uh, it matured me a lot. Like just getting with my wife in general, like trying to approach my wife, I had to mature. You know, because like when I met my wife, I was driving school buses. And it was funny because, like, she kind of was like, you know, I felt like you was like a little fake gangbanger because in order for you to drive school buses, you got to have a clean criminal record. Because, <laughs> like, when she met me, like, I was still wearing, like, 3X tall T-shirts, sagging khakis, Chuck Taylors. Like, I still had the gangbanger look, but I was driving school buses. So her thing was like, yeah, you just got the look because that's what you think looks cool, but you're not in that lifestyle. But, like, when we first start, like, actually dating, that's when she realized, like, hold on, nigga, like, you really be having guns and hanging (laughs) out with these crazy-looking niggas. Like, you really a a gang member. And I was like, it's not something I'm proud of. Like, it's just something that's a part of how I grew up more than something that I think is cool. 
But the more I realized that she wasn't impressed, the less I wanted to do it. Wow. Like, you know, the element that I was in, it was like everybody thinks this shit is cool because this is our element. But when I met her, she's a square. Like, my wife don't dabble in that shit. So with her, it was kind of like, nigga, don't you get killed and go to jail doing that? Why would you do that? Like, why do you want to do this? And I was like, you know, now that you say it out loud, yeah, it is kind of stupid. Let me back, <laughs> you know, let me back up off this shit. You know, and it's like a myth in gang culture that is kind of like blood in, blood out. Like you got to get jumped out the gang and niggas going to stop talking to you if you don't still hang out. And it's not like that. Mm -hmm. Like I literally walked away like it wasn't nothing. And the same niggas who I was fucking with when I was gang banging fuck with me now. Like, you know, oh, you got a girl now? That's cool. Oh, you got a job now? Congratulations, my nigga. Like. When it comes to like real niggas who really do this, who really live this, you get way more respect for buying a house than you get for shooting a person. Like that's the that's the part that a lot of people don't even understand. And that's a lot of what I try to use my platform for to tell these little niggas like, dude, trust me, as much as you think. You gonna be the man in your city because you done shot this nigga and you done beat this dude up and you done did all this shit? Buy a house. Trust me. All your big homies that have way more respect for you. Do something positive in your neighborhood. You'll get way more respect for that. How important is it to, to reach back to the to the young men that's coming up behind you? Um, to me, it's, it's very important. Like what I tell my little cousins all the time, like if y'all not doing better than me, I feel like I'm a failure. Like, I, I never feel like a success when people younger than me are doing worse than me. Like, I always want the people behind me to pass me. Like, that's my job as a big cousin, as a big homie, as an older friend, to make sure that everything I know you know so you can use everything that I've learned to your advantage. Like, you know, I, I won't, you know, like they say, what uh, smart people learn from their mistakes, wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Like, I feel like it's my job to give you the wisdom to know that what I did ain't shit. You should skip the step that I took in order to go beyond where I'm at. Mm, definitely. So, yeah, that shit is very important to me. One of the things your um, career allows you to do, you, you travel all over the country. So how is traveling all over the United States, how's that change your perspective on like life and what's going on in the world? Um, I think it just kind of gave me some perspective just on the fact that every, like everywhere is kind of, it's different, but it's the same. Like we might speak, have different uh, accents. We might dress different. But the struggle is the same everywhere you go. Like we all, once, once we in poverty, we do poverty the same. And that's even when you talk about like even white people. Like, you know, if you ever listen to like Larry the Cable Guy and uh, like Jeff Foxworthy, when they talk about, oh, you know, you're a, a trailer park person when you got a big TV with a little TV on top. I'm like, nigga, we do that in the hood. <laughs> like half of what they talk about is like trailer park shit we do it in the hood 
And when you go to different neighborhoods in poor communities, because when I travel, that's who I like to see. Like, I feel like poverty is where the culture is. So, like, I don't want to go to tourist traps in different cities. I like to go to neighborhoods in different cities where people live at, because that's where the actual culture is. That's where all culture around the world is created amongst the common people. So I like to go to regular neighborhoods and shit. But it's like, you know, I, I, I realize we all got the same experiences. It might look a little different, but it's the same. Like we all poor and we all trying to get out. Mm. Where are you looking to take your brain? Honestly, I'm just looking to get to the point where I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> I think we all looking for that. Yeah, like I'm <laughs> like it, like I'm as simple as possible, dog. Like I, I just want to be able to feed my family off this shit and not have to drive trucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it's it's real simple. Not nothing too major. I, I would hope that my platform will help people. Luckily, I have people who give me feedback. Like I do get DMs from people that's like, yeah, man, you know, I, I heard your show and it helped me with this. And, you know, I was dealing with something and your show did this. And it's like, that's all I really be wanting at the end of the day. Like that shit is, is damn near better than a paycheck. Like the ability to actually really help people, you know, that people really fuck with the content that I create. Like, you know, that that's cool. But I would love to be able to get like, Hundred G's a year and shit like that. That'd be great. Definitely. Are you? But considering everything, your upbringing, your career, where you are now, are you happy with where you are right now? Yeah, definitely. Because of where I was at, you know, it's like I've been very low. So just the the fact that my kids eat every day. You know, my wife is happy. You know, our car notes is paid. My lights is on. My air conditioner is on right now. Like, (laughs) that's the shit to me. Like, you know, it's a lot of shit that being that I've been at a point where me, my mom, my brothers and my sister lived in a car. The fact that I even live in a house is dope. Like, even when I lived in a low income apartment, it was like my rent paid, though. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy. You know, my wife cool. My kids is cool. So I'm happy. So the fact that I'm a homeowner, it's like, fool, I'm so far past the finish line. Even on my worst days, I know people are having worse days. So I'm I'm super good. It's been, listen, bro, it's been a real pleasure talking with you, just listening to you talk. I can tell you a wise brother. Um, thank, you know, thank God everything, you know, with the upbringing, you still here, you still giving out good advice and you've been a good supporter to people, man. And I just, I'm just glad that we got this opportunity to talk. Man, me too. I've, I've been waiting to get on your show too. I'm like, man, dude, do some tight ass interviews, like on the cuff. Hey, That's thanks, man. Man, thank you so much, man. Listen, it's it's always an honor for people that you admire and you respect their work, that they respect your work. And I definitely, hell, you got that. You talking to yourself, brother. I- <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I tip my hat to you. The 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 trick is acting like it's a thousand people listening. 
you know what? I'm gonna have to try that because man, it's been times I hit the record button and I'm like, shit, I can't do this. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, you 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 just you literally gotta pretend there's people listening. Like, cause I go on Instagram live a lot of times, and it's cool when I see people in there, but when that number hits zero, it get difficult. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, nobody is listening. Like it literally is. Proof. Ain't nobody listening to my ass. I'm really talking to myself, but you know, you kind of just train your mind to say somebody's gonna hear this. Yeah, so yeah. I have to deliver something worth listening to. Well, listen, brother, you're doing an excellent job and just keep putting out great content because again, I love your show. I can't, I'm not gonna be one of people oh, I listen to every episode. I, I try to support as many podcasts as I can. And yours is one of the ones that I really enjoy listening to. I appreciate that, dog. Before we end this, make sure we tell the people how they can follow you and also how they can listen to the podcast. Uh, my personal Instagram is Uncle Dolomite, Uncle spelled like Uncle, D O L E M I T E, on Instagram. Uh, also, my, my podcast page is at Too Much Game Podcast, T O O. Not the number two, because some people get that confused. Uh, all my links are in the bios of my Instagram pages, just to save y'all some airspace. Just go to my Instagram, hit the links in my bios, and all the other ways to contact me will pop up. All right. Again, brother, I appreciate you doing this, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Man, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me. Hey, it's been a pleasure, brother. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lamp. My my Facebook is also conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.